I want to invite you, I want to invite you to stand with me one more time, and we're going to pray a prayer together. And we do this as a means of drawing our attention to the Scripture so that we may hear. Now, I understand we come from different lifestyles, different cultures, different people, perhaps even different experiences, even just this morning. Uh, and yet, somehow, when it comes to the Word of God, God has this unique way to speak to each and every one of us, irrespective of where we may find ourselves. So the challenge is often this, that we would become attentive to what God says to His church. So pray this prayer with me. Lord, open your hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as your scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Hear the word of God. John chapter 1, reading from verse 29 through to 42. Speaking of John the Baptist, the next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. He upon whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the chosen one. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when one of the two who heard John speak and followed him, that is, Jesus, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. And he brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are called to be Cephas, which is translated Peter. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. It is said that most of us, most of us 
human beings in our lifetimes will actively search for a person, a place, and a position. The question that Jesus poses to his disciples, what are you looking for? is a question that we seek to answer through the search for perhaps those three things. Someone to walk alongside life's journey. Um, a place to call our own. And perhaps a position in life through which to employ the gifts and the abilities and the passions and the strengths and the talents that God has given us. This question, what are you looking for, is perhaps one of the more important questions for those who are discerning of this whole faith kind of thing, this whole God thing. For I think it is fair to say that our search for God is something that perhaps has been motivated by different interests different hopes, different aspirations. Perhaps there's some sitting here this morning and you're saying, I've not really searched for God because I'm really focused on, on searching for that person. And I'm hoping they may be even be here. I know for a fact that Bible college was aptly described as bridal college when Many of you who went to it attended. By the way, how many of you met your, met your spouse at a college or university? How oh, there's a few of you. Another good reason to go to university, folks. <laughs> Some of our searches might be that in this stage of life, we are kind of trying to, to create a sense of identity, a sense of who we are, a sense of belonging. We want to find our people and our place in life. And then perhaps for some of us, and this is not just for young people, but I still find that even in middle age, which I'm just getting into, just, that some of us may still be searching for that ultimate place where we find peace and contentment. So, a simple question before I share very simple thoughts. What are you looking for? What is at the center of your being as urgent, important, needed, desired, wanted? What is it that you spend your time thinking about, longing for, aspiring for? John the Baptist is this figure in our text both last week and this week that represents somebody that most of us probably find hard to relate to. He's described as a, a prophet that had the very appearance of the Old Testament prophets. In fact, he looked so much like Elijah that some confused him to be Elijah. He preached a radical message a message of repentance, believing that the people that God chose in the Old Testament to be His light unto the world had lost their way, 
and that God was sending his Messiah to bring an elect group of them back through repentance to become again the light unto the nations that God had always destined them to be. When Jesus shows up at the banks of the River Jordan, in Matthew's account that we heard last week, John's wait for the person he's been looking for is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, who not only comes out to the Jordan, the place that God met Israel and led them into the promised land, but there presents himself to John. And the person that John was looking for comes and humbles himself before the prophet as someone who joins the people in their need of salvation. And it seems to me that an honest reading of Scripture, not just the portions that I've read or we heard last week, but the outworking of John's ministry in life would show to us that that what John was looking for was fulfilled in Jesus, but in a way that even John did not fully understand. And so I wonder this morning if perhaps in a simple way, we want to think about those, like our text describes, who have represented to us, not in all its weirdness necessarily, this John the Baptist character. The people in our lives that have been able to point us towards God. The people who, according to John's witness and testimony, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God, and starts to call out and cry out when he sees Jesus and starts to point his own disciples towards the hope for their lives. In my own life, there are several people that have been John the Baptist-like. People who have pointed to Jesus out of the knowing of Jesus. People who have lived in such a way that they've said to me, there is more to life than the purposes you've pursued. There is more to this life, and that begins with the God who has made you. And in their lifestyle, in their actions, and in their faithfulness, have embodied for me something which I desired to pursue. So this morning, it's not the main point yet. But it's a good point, yeah? You know, John is the forerunner, the one who says, hey, it's not about me, it's about the one to come. Maybe I can put it to you this way. John didn't try to create the first Baptist church. He was always pointing, always pointing to God in flesh. So this morning, I thought we'd be a little interactive. Can I get an amen? Amen. Just trying to see who's saying amen because you are the extroverts. Okay. So, (laughs) quick question. I just wanted to answer this briefly. Helen's got the roaming mic. She's like the roaming reporter this morning. Who has been that person in your life that has embodied a faith in Christ and pointed you towards God? If you want to raise your hand, she's not going to give you the mic, so there's only one preacher here today. (laughs) We just want to hear from you who that person is and why, right over on the side here. And why don't you do me a favor? Can you tell us your name? There's a lot of new folks, so it'd be good for us to hear who you are. Oh, I'm not taking the mic. 
That's my moment. I'm Dorothy, and we started coming to this church from another one from our friend Evelyn and Wayne that come here. Um, and she's always been someone that uh, at every opportunity, even when I'm like, oh, we had a, that was lucky. She's like blessed, always those, you know, little changes in directions. So she's always been wonderful that way for us. Ah, thank you. My mom and dad. Mm. Oh, Monica. <laughs> thank you, Monica, your mom and dad. Who else? Hi, my name is Warren. I'm attached to Monica. Uh, <laughs> she, she's the one that brought me, uh, brought me, helped bring me to faith. So spouses can point you towards God. Wow. Anybody else? Over on this side right here. I'm so glad that there's extroverts amongst us. Hi, I'm Leanne. Uh, the person I would name is uh, Velma, and she was a lady at a church we used to go to. And um, by happy uh, development in life, she's um, my daughter's husband's Grammy. So she gets to continue to influence uh, people in our family to, uh, yeah, just to pursue Christ. Thank you. We'll do two more. Thank you, Leanne. Over on the side, right here. Hi, I'm Charlene, and uh, for me, it was my mom and dad, and as an extension, my grandma and my grandpa. Ah, so good to have them sit right there with you. One more, right in the back. Just hold your hand so she can see who you are. There we go. Hi, my name is Olu. It was my mom. It, uh, when I was young, I went wild with whoever should pray and pray that one day the Lord will bring me back. And I'm glad Amen. Back. Thank you. There's a few people in my life. One was um, Anne Nona Corbett. Anybody remember Anne? I think Anne died at the age of 99. A faithful member of this church when I first started attending this church. And uh, I was just, you know, a, a young novice preacher. <laughs> And I didn't have very good sermons, you know. Uh, I would drive and to and from church. And whenever I started to become too self-obsessed, you know, about my, my preaching, she would say to me, oh, pastor, it's not about you. <laughs> uh, my grandmother, my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother visited us in Toronto before Ruthann and I had our children, and she suffered a, a tremendous heart attack when she visited, and she had to stay with us for a long time. And uh, as she was leaving to go back home, uh, she, she added these words to me. She said, remain faithful, my dear child. In Afrikaans. And um, she was the grandmother that lived with us because growing up, you know, my dad vowed, made us vow as young men, my brother and I, that we would never let grandma or grandparents not live with us if he wasn't around. And so grandma lived with us. And uh, I can tell you many a day when I heard grandma praying for me, oftentimes crying out with tears. You know, there's aspects of John the Baptist's life that I think I find hard and difficult 
I think that um, his idea of the, the Christ with the winnowing fork and the, the threshing floor and burning the chaff was challenged by a Christ who came in a very different way. The one that he was hoping Jesus would be, in some ways, I think it is fair to say, wasn't even the Christ or Messiah of John's expectations. I think it's fair to say that some of us, when we begin to follow God, might have a perspective of the God we would like Him to be. The, the idea that, 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 that God would conform, perhaps, to our needs or our desires is in the life of John revealed as, a, as something that Jesus challenges in who he ultimately will be. Instead of a conquering Messiah to save the elect of Israel, he would become a savior for both Jew and Gentile. Instead of a, a, a conquering Messiah who would overthrow Rome and and, and reinstate Israel into their rightful place of authority as God's chosen people, he would lay down his life. And there is the sense that learning from John can be helpful for all of us because in this text prior to his imprisonment, he understands a little bit more of who Jesus is and he describes him. He describes him as both the one who will come not to baptize with water, but with the Holy Spirit. And we know that at the end of the gospel, it is Jesus who breathes his spirit into his disciples. We know that at the beginning of the birth of the early church, it is Jesus who pours out his spirit upon his disciples who proclaim the hope of Jesus in every tongue in Jerusalem. John also sees here that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And when he describes Jesus as the Lamb of God, no doubt the Jewish listening audience would remember that day, that, 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 that significant day in their history when God was to liberate them from Egyptian slavery and when that Lamb's blood was put on doorposts so that the, they would not be judged but be able to escape. And there's a sense in which John is describing Jesus not only as the one who comes to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire, but as the one who would give his life, not just for the liberation of some, but for the liberation of everyone. I think that my hopes of who God is will always be less than what God truly has come to do. And so John points so well that his disciples come after Jesus. Now, I'll just say a few things about this. You know, I already alluded to the fact that John did his job so well that when he pointed to Jesus, his disciples immediately began to follow Jesus. It's interesting to me today, and particularly, I think, in the North American context and culture of celebrity pastors. Just a side comment. I just have this on my heart. 
uh, people who forget that perhaps in some ways their responsibility is not to draw people to them. but to point people towards God. And I, I dare to say this to you because it is easy to get caught up in the hype of popularity, in the hype of this great preacher, this great teacher, and thank God we have those, right? But there's something significant about what John is doing. His life is lived in such a way, even though he will be confronted with what it truly means to believe in Jesus as Messiah, he lives his life in such a way that it's pointing. It's pointing others towards who Jesus is. If there is somebody in your life that has done that for you, I want you to hear me say this. There is someone who needs you to be that to them. It is, you know, something about the incarnation of Christ that teaches the church something. God became like us to show us what it means to live faithfully. And when we begin to follow this Jesus, this Lamb of God, there, there is this invitation for us to incarnate such grace such faith, such knowing, in such a way that our lives bear witness to who God is. Yeah. It's as simple as that and as hard as that. It is as challenging as that and as inspired as that. That when others whom God has placed in our life look to us, does our life, do my words and my actions and my deeds and my commitments and my priorities point them to Christ? And so these two disciples, when John proclaims, look, the Lamb of God, they go to Jesus. And Jesus asked them the question that I think he asked, God asked of all who begins to follow him, <laughs> what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Now, it's interesting that they don't say, we're looking for you, the Messiah. And if you would allow me just the liberty to suggest that perhaps the reason they don't answer that straightforward is because they are not as convinced as John is as yet about who Jesus is. There's a sense in which they are still discerning. They call him rabbi. You know, Jesus elsewhere says, you call me rabbi, but uh, I don't think you have it all yet. <laughs> and so, instead of answering, well, we think you're the Messiah, we think what, you know, the, the person to save Israel, you're, you know, they, 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 they say this, you know, uh, where, where are you staying? Now, sometimes it helps to know the meaning of words in Scripture, not all the time, but sometimes. And in this particular case, the word staying is the same word that shows up very significantly in John's gospel, in particular in John chapter 15, where the word is often rendered in some of our translations as abide with me. Now, you know, you can play on words in the Bible to make it say a whole bunch of stuff you would like to say, but it's interesting to me 
that the disciples may not have fully grasped who the Messiah is, but when Jesus asked them, who are you looking for? And they do not say, we know who we're looking for. They, in fact, say to him, we want to come and abide with you. Here's what abiding means. It means to, to remain, to, to stay for a little bit. It doesn't, it doesn't mean to simply kind of just passing, well, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> but it's like when I come to Pastor Ryan's home and I can smell the great cooking from upstairs. No one's laughing yet, so apparently they think you're a great cook. And I say, can I come in for a while? And find myself sitting and visiting with Pastor Ryan for more than just perhaps the 10 minutes that I thought I had, but, but find myself lingering a little bit. And it's in the lingering, in the staying with Jesus, that some things change. If you follow the text, they stayed till when? Four o'clock? The 10th hour of the day? A few hours with Jesus apparently is enough to change you from somebody who doesn't know to proclaiming to others that this is the Messiah we have been waiting for. The invitation to come and see is an invitation that they respond to by spending time with the one who says in John 15, if you abide with me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you if you connect with me, I will connect you with God. If you take the time to be with me, I will show you the way to the Father. And I just wonder, I just wonder if in the most simple way, those of us who are looking for a person, a place, and a position may today say, Perhaps I'm looking for God. There is a, another passage in John's Gospel where a Samaritan woman meets Jesus at the well. You know that story well. It's probably one of my favorite texts in John's Gospel. And um, she's a woman that comes at a certain time of day because she's lived the kind of life where perhaps she doesn't want to be in public. And Jesus shows up at the well at the same time that she is, and he asks her for water. And she's really cheeky. She says... Um, You're a Jew, and I'm a Gentile. I know this. Gentiles don't get water from Jews. And then in this wonderful story, perhaps I should preach on the text again. <laughs> in this wonderful story, an exchange about water and confusing what's really going on, Jesus draws her into this real sense of who God is. What, what she was looking for was, was, was perhaps just to escape the ridicule and the shame and the blame and the accusing voices of the people in that community. But she found, she found in Jesus living water. 
In fact, Jesus so changes her life that, 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 that she starts running back to her village. And here's what she says. She says, come and see. <laughs> come and see someone who told me everything about my life. Come and see someone who knows me and is the Messiah. Come and see someone who has changed how I think about everything despite where I've been. Come and see this Jesus, this Messiah. In fact, her witness draws people to Jesus and when they spend time with him, when they stay with him. In fact, the scripture says he stayed with the Samaritans a few days. When they abide with him, they say, we no longer believe just because you told us we now know for ourselves because we spent time with him. And I wonder if those who have pointed us to God has that very hope for us that we would come to know God, not just in the mental ascent of his reality, but in the knowing that he offers to us through his spirit. The word used to describe Jesus the Messiah means anointed, the one upon whom the Spirit has rested, the one who is the life that we need, and the one that answers the true purpose of our souls. So, their interest leads them. Jesus welcomes them, and they begin to follow him. One of the ways in which Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, and I'm on the last page of my notes, and God's people says, Amen. <laughs> That was too much passion, Stephen. We've been, I've been around you long enough to hear your voice. God teaches me all the time about grace, all the time. <laughs> Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Peterson's translation puts it in the vernacular that perhaps grabs our attention more. Are you tired? Chasing? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
come to Jesus. Turn to him. You say, well, Stu, you don't understand. My life is pretty complex. I've yet to find a life that's not complex. I'm yet to find people that don't have burdens and challenges, who have hurts and pasts that perhaps are hard. I do not say this to belittle any person's situation, but I, I wonder if the, 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 the voice of John the Baptist is a voice that, that needs to break into our, to our very busy lives with a simple invitation to behold the Lamb of God. As Stephanie comes and they lead us in a closing song, I want to invite you to respond to the invitation of God. You can do so simply in prayer. It's one way we learn to abide. As we learn to pray, we learn to turn to God. But perhaps there is someone here who says, you know, Stu, I, I'm searching and I'm tired of this search. I haven't found really what I'm looking for. Maybe you're quoting that Irish pop band. I shouldn't call them pop band. I'm going to get criticized. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Some of you can hear you too right now ringing in your ears. But maybe you want to take a step towards him. And you say, Stu, I, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. I want to invite you. You can come up here. These, these are prayer benches. I grew up with these in the church. And someone this past week said to me, they just seem to be decorative in the church. Um, you don't always have to come here to pray, but this is another place you can come. You can come kneel. And one of us pastors, if you want, will come and pray with you. But in your own way, where you're at, where your life is at, turn to God. You won't be disappointed. He does not disappoint. He doesn't promise an easy life either but he promises that he walks with you. Father God, thank you for your word. And through the simplicity of reflection on the life of John the Baptist that points to you, we pray as the church, may we point our others to you. May our lives reflect the grace and the mercy that we have come to know. Teach us what it means to bear witness to Jesus Oftentimes in a world in which the church is not viewed with charity or grace, teach us what it means to be a people of charity and grace. Show us how to live in such a way that the beauty of Jesus Christ is made known in a, in a world that longs for true beauty. That a faith that is not defined by everything that is wrong, but a faith that is rooted in the hope we have for the God who has come to save and to heal and to restore. That you would be lifted up through each one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.